This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Boom. Welcome to episode 22 of THN. We're talking comics for the week of Wednesday, June 15th. There is a lot of negativity in the air on a balmy Saturday morning. I can feel it. It's a college world series. I hate it. I hate it. It's not a sport. They play with metal bats. It's not a sport. My name is Matt Baum, <laughs> and when I'm not threatening Jared Fogle on Twitter, because I don't know who else to blame for the awful Subway comic that was inserted directly into the middle of all my DC comics this month, featuring Nebraska's own Ndamukong Sue and Michael Strahan helping the Justice League fight the Ocean Master during their Subway lunch break, <laughs> I write about Nebraska comics for WorthPoint.com. That is the most ridiculous sentence I have ever heard. It's the most ridiculous comic insert. I've ever seen. It's horrible. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. And when I'm not nervously watching Green Lantern's Rotten Tomatoes score plummet while wrestling with the fact that I like every movie I've ever seen, and this one probably won't be an exception, I'm the manager of Legend Comics. This week you'll hear reviews of Kirby Genesis number one and Flashpoint Wonder Woman number one. After that, we'll rip your pants off with our wind cheer as we review ten comics in the ludicrous speed round. We'll rap about what you should be reading next week and the comic pushers are back and ready to give one quivering junkie his comic fix. But before we get to all that bupkis, let's try to stop talking about the stunning premiere of Ice Loves Coco last week. <laughs> Apparently Coco broke the story that Nicki Minaj's butt is not real. And we'll talk about this week's big news. Matt, did you know that Marvel is still making comics? I heard something about that. It's true. After last week's blink and you'll miss it news that Marvel is canceling Uncanny X-Men this fall... The House of Ideas just announced the two titles that will replace what, for five whole minutes, would have been the highest-numbered comic on the stands. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men will be relaunched with a new number one in October, of course, courtesy of Karen Gillan and rotating artists Carlos Pacheco and Greg Land. Yeah. He's getting better. Nope. I think he's, he's getting not. better. That same month, Wolverine <laughs> and the X-Men number one will launch by Jason Aaron and Chris Pachalo. Matt. Is this the twilightization of my ex-books? Are you on Team Wolvie or Team Cyclops? I'm into the idea of schism. I think schism's going to be fun, and I like that they are going to go several ways because, I mean, things have been weird in the X-Universe for a little bit. It's I like tense. Scott leading the team and everything. I hate the title Wolverine and the X-Men. It's stupid. Care. It reminds me of the really bad 90s cartoon that I don't came care out for a while there. But I like both these great, these creative teams. I think this is going to be a fun event, and I think this is something they've been working towards for a long time. Yes, and I if, agree. if this reestablishes Professor X as like the leader of the X-Men when all is said and done, I like it because he's taken such a backseat. Yeah. He's been kicked around for so long that he's almost barely a part of the Marvel Universe. It's true. And yeah, I, I agree. I think Schism is going to be tons of fun. Some people might say, oh, they're relaunching their books just like DC went. Well, this has obviously, been for Schism a long time. has been planned for a very long time. Yeah, they've been talking about this for more uh, since, like... I just think it's it's just funny timing is all. In Hollywood news, this week saw the announcement that the increasingly Brando-esque Russell Crowe has been casted. <laughs> Are you saying he's getting fat? Is that what that means? Oh, he's getting fat. He is getting kind of fat. He's been cast as Jor-El in Zack Snyder's upcoming Man of Steel reboot. Jor-El, Superman's dad, for those of you who don't know, and shame on you if you don't, and you're listening to this podcast, there's something wrong with you because we talk about comics. Anyway, Crow will join <laughs> the Superman family with Kevin Costner and Diane Lane's Ma and Pa Kent. Comicbookmovie.com. <laughs> that, the way I wrote that makes it look like Kevin Costner's playing Ma Kent. <laughs> I apologize for that, Kevin. <laughs> Comicbookmovie.com reports that the 
that Gladiator's Connie Nielsen has been offered the role as Lara. But no official word was given beyond that. Which version of Superman's dad are we getting, Joe? The doughy Richard Donner version or the sexy bearded Jeff Johns version? I, you know what? I'm taking a step in between. I there. think it'll be a combination of both. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a slightly bearded, uh, doughy, sexy bearded Superman's dad younger. who might kick the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's good casting. I like they're going all out. These guys that they are getting to play relatively minor roles. These I are mean, huge names. I mean, Mon Pa Ken aren't, aren't minor players in the Superman mythos. But, but Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, I mean... These are big names. People yeah. recognize these names, and I think they're doing this because their star, Henry Cavill, isn't a household name yet. That's a good point. you got to get somebody in there you that people recognize. you got to get something recognize. on the poster. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Russell Crowe. I think he could... Uh, I think he'll have the gravitas to uh, bring the disembodied head of Jor-El to life if that's the take we're we're going with. Yeah, I think it's a great choice. It's not an obvious one, but a great choice. I agree. Finally, we have a couple of new title announcements that caught our interest this week. This September, IDW will launch a new ongoing Star Trek series by writer Mike Johnson and artist Stephen Molnar. Who's Mike Johnson? I don't know either of these names, but I think they do Star Trek books for IDW. And this book will be set in the continuity of the J.J. Abrams movie and will, quote, reimagine the stories from the original television series along with new threats and characters never seen before. I like it. Also this week, Marvel announced a second ongoing Spidey title called Avenging Spider-Man. This title, which Marvel describes as being a blockbuster action movie in every issue, will be written by Zeb Wells and will feature art by 90s superstar Joe Madureira. 90s being the key term (laughs) in that. Matt, which book has you more excited? The Star Trek comic that will reimagine your childhood or the Spider-Man comic that will probably never come out? (laughs) I think I'm a little more excited for the Star Trek comic, honestly. And if it's a step closer to another Star Trek movie, then I love it. I think they feel like... I think they realize they got to give us something. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm literally... Dying. I know. I need more. For Star Trek now. <laughs> I need more. I'm really excited for it. I hate the title, The Avenging Spider-Man. Uh, that is dumb. Well, if it if it's more like if it's more about him being an Avenger and not being like vengeance, <laughs> I think that's kind of what they mean. I mean, I get it. I don't, but yeah. I also don't think it's ever going to come out if Joe Madaria is drawing it. I don't well, know. I mean, certainly he hasn't changed. Well, he did Ultimates three. True. Uh, with Jeff Loeb, and, and if it I was recall, terrible. It looked. Terrible. Oh, I disagree. I did not like the look at all. I didn't hate the art in Ultimate Street. It had a couple of problems here and there, but I don't remember it being late. I don't remember it being late. So, I mean, given maybe enough lead time. Cri- maybe it's not a fair criticism. I I, I don't know. I just, I'm we really, We all remember really Battle happy. Chasers, man. Yeah. It was I'm a dark I'm very happy with the Spider-Man book we have now. I just, I think there's room for both. If you recall, not too long ago, Spider-Man had four titles. I don't love Joe Madura anymore, and I don't love this title. I do the like Zeb Wells, and I great. will check it out. We'll see. That's this week's big news. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on Facebook, where Joe has already started apologizing for DC's shenanigans before the big red reset button has even been punched. But they said that killing Joe still counts. Yeah, we'll see. It's time to talk about some new comics that came out this week. Matt, what do you have for us? This week I read Kirby Genesis number one from Dynamite, written by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, with art by Jack Herbert and Alex Ross. 
I think this one had about 15 different covers. Very, <laughs> very many. Ridiculous. So what we've got here is superstar artist Alex Ross and fan favorite writer Kurt Busiek have teamed up once again, but this time it's not to reinvent little-known Jack Kirby creations, but to breathe life back into actual little-known Jack Kirby creations. When I first heard about this project, my, my thought was, we already have a book like this, and it's called Project Superpowers, and I don't really care for it very mm. much. The good news is Kirby Genesis is no Project Superpowers. For those who don't know who Jack Kirby is, he is the co-creator of just about every Marvel Comics character you love and should be as well-known as Stan Lee. And a lot of people say he's a nicer guy. Well, he's dead. He died back in 1994, <laughs> but he left the legacy of a million comic book characters. He's dead! <laughs> which, which brings us to Kirby Genesis. The title is a twofold meeting because our main character is a gangly nerd named Kirby who's drawn to look exactly like... Jay Baruchel? Jay Baruchel. Baruchel. I From uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, Undeclared. He's the skinny little Jewish Et cetera. kid. Etc. Yeah. And his best friend, Bobby, a girl who he grew up with who blossomed into a brunette bombshell. You could say she's out of his league. Okay. That's another Jay Baruchel <laughs> movie. Kirby's way into her, but he's too nerdy to do anything about it. And now it's suddenly two giant glowing figures have appeared in the sky triggering an event that results in super-powered beings popping up all over the world and even resulted in Bobby getting powers of her own. What? Yeah. This is wacky, crazy, cosmic, superhero, psychedelic fun, very much in the Jack Kirby spirit, and I loved it. I really yeah. enjoyed this. So much more fun than Project Superpowers. No. And I'm going to keep making that reference because Herbert and Ross worked together on Project Superpowers as well. And it does have a very similar look. But this is actually some of Jack Kirby's characters. Silver Star. So I, the, the design work is... Yeah. I mean, this is all... all Kirby's. Yeah. And they're not characters I've, any of us have ever really heard of. But they look... Anyone who knows Jack Kirby can yeah. look and go... Oh, yeah. He designed the two giant monstrous alien women and the <laughs> hunky, like, space guy. And well, <laughs> some, of them, some of them did have a brief life in the... There were some Tops comics, late, I think. Well, there was that. That was a little resurgence, actually. They they had him in the late 70s, early 80s as well. Captain oh, that's right. Victory. That's and, right. Uh, that sort of thing. Silver Star. So, like, but I think they're all going to pop up here. I yeah. think pretty much all Some of, of them characters. were, like, little more than, like, sketches in a notebook. Right. Uh, that never were published that these guys... Took and ran with. You can tell, yeah, Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross love Jack Kirby's work. And this is an open love letter to Jack Kirby. And it really was a lot of fun. The art here is excellent. and It's it, very good. Really good stuff. And if there's one thing that where books like this can fall down, like if you think back to Earth X, which I really enjoyed, Alex Ross did all the covers that were just breathtakingly beautiful. And the interior art was different <laughs> i'm not gonna say it was good or bad but it certainly wasn't alex ross and it sure and it would it just clashed herbert fits very well with ross's work and like I agree. throughout the book ross has painted a couple pages like the pages where the uh the two giant glowing well, really in some sure instances, instances it's like he's painted over right some of the yeah he has painted herbert's over some of herbert's panels art. aren't well it's probably digitally inserted, but you know. But I mean. that's why it works so. Yeah, it's, it's seamless. A, it's, a it's not like you turn the page and boom, Alex Ross painting, totally interrupting. It's the worked flow. into the artwork that's already there. Very well, and I, I had a lot of fun with this. I honestly, before we got to all the wackiness with the super people, I kind of was invested in Kirby and Bobby's story. It's cute. Yeah, he's a likable character. They have this fun kind of like Archie history where they go into this really cartoony, silly version of him telling you about how he grew up with Bobby 
and they were kids that played together. And then yeah, yeah it, it was cute, and I liked it. And then all of a sudden, two giant floating space people show up. <laughs> Another very Jack Kirby turn of events. And suddenly we have Bigfoot running around, and we've got there's a new aliens landing monsters. Yeah, there's a city that was buried like deep underground, and and all kinds of lunacy coming out of it. Characters like the Galaxy Green Apprehension Squad, who are a group (laughs) of like leggy space Amazons who are here to arrest somebody. Obviously, yeah, (laughs) very like female led society, and men are breed males. You've got Silver Star, who is obviously a Captain America-type analog. The two monstrous alien women I mentioned earlier. But this is going to be fun. Ridiculous, yeah. slam-bang, Jack Kirby, cosmic fun. And I'm wholeheartedly in on this one. It's And here's where Project Superpowers fell down. It was way too serious. It was just it was. way too serious. And this is definitely being taken with a grain of salt. And I think it's going to be a really fun read. I'm giving this a strong buy it. Can't wait for issue two. Yeah, I really liked it. And, you know, I was not enthused after I read the the dollar issue, the zero issue. I thought it was okay, but I didn't feel like it did enough to kind of set it up. Not in such a way that interested me. I skipped the zero issue. So for listeners out there interested, you don't need to read it. No, you certainly don't. Dive Uh, right into number one. But I, I do, they do, the zero issue... Uh, does go into more detail about like the space probe with the Jack Kirby art that they talk about in the book. But when I read number one, I came across with like a much better sense of what the book would be about, deeper appreciation for the world that these guys were trying to create. I did have one, not complaint, but something that struck me as weird. <laughs> it's one thing when the character narrates the book. That happens all the time in comics. Oh, you're talking about how he breaks the fourth he wall. He breaks the fourth wall at the beginning and looks right at you and I love talks it. to you. I love it. But then he never does it again. Yeah, but it worked. And he admits that he's like, oh, and by the way, I talk to nobody sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> so that was just a little weird thing I noticed. Uh, maybe he'll do it again in future issues, but I thought it was fun. It gave it this sort of Ferris Bueller, Parker yeah, Lewis, it's like Can't the Lewis kind of time you know. stopped and he looked right at me. Yeah, like, and told us the story. Well, of- life moves pretty fast sometimes. If you don't <laughs> slow down. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this was a great first issue. Whether you bought the dollar issue or not, this is a buy it. Joe, what did you read in this week? I read Wonder Woman. Flashpoint, Wonder Woman and the Furies, number one from DC Comics. This is uh, a Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning book uh, with art by Scott Clark. Arthur and Diana are royalty from two kingdoms completely separated from the rest of humanity. Sorry, I'm putting on my best. Yeah, you are. In a world. (laughs) After a dangerous adventure throws the pair together, an alliance is planned that will benefit both realms. But when an assassination attempt interrupts Arthur and Diana's royal wedding, the kingdoms are plunged into brutal war that will have a deadly impact on the entire world of Flashpoint. The story starts 14 years ago. It retells the first meeting of Arthur and Diana. The Emperor Aquaman book is only like what happened over the last year worth of stuff since they've been at war. I get it. I'm just saying, if you read Emperor Aquaman, guess what? You know everything that happens in this book. I disagree. I enjoyed the story. Abnett and Landing are usually solid, and this is no different. This is a nice kind of history lesson as to how these versions of the characters met and how their relationship was formed. There is a weird perspective in the timeline here. The book starts 14 years ago. One month later, they agree to marry for the benefit of their kingdoms. Uh And then they don't have the wedding until just one year ago. So 13 years go by. A lot by. of stuff to get done. 
<laughs> a lot of stuff to get done. You remember the royal wedding we just saw on TV a couple weeks ago? I mean, that stuff takes planning. Yeah, you got man. I bet they've been planning that for at least twelve years. <laughs> you know, it's kind of predictable. You can kind of see the twists coming, but it adds a little bit more behind the scenes perspective to the conflict that's happening in the main Flashpoint title that comes at it from a different angle than the Aquaman book that Matt is so eager to compare it to. Meh. Uh, so story-wise, I enjoyed it. The art, though. Terrible. It's so bad. Terrible. It's so bad. The thing is, is that I can tell Scott Clark has talent. I've seen him draw other things. Scott Clark has done stuff that I like. Yes. Uh, his work in, in Brightest Day in the Firestorm stories yeah, was great. not bad at all. But he keeps putting in these ridiculous digital effects that take me out of the story completely. Yeah. Like, I'll be reading the book, and then all of a sudden there is like a 3D digitally drawn trident that looks so out of place yeah. that I was just like... Bleh. It looks like they forgot to draw it, and they're like, oh my god, we're going to press now. Yeah, we gotta cut and paste that trident <laughs> like, in there. Oh, don't worry, I got it, guys. Click, click, click. There we go. <laughs> uh, there is one panel in particular... Towards the end of the book where Garth, uh, that's Aqualad for you newbies, is standing behind Artemis. And it looks like he's been cut and pasted poorly yeah. onto the page. I, I, like, I can show Matt the book, and if you're reading along at home, you turn to this page. Uh, there's a white outline around him. Yeah, it looks bad. And it spills over onto Artemis. He's supposed to be behind her. I think this book was rushed. I don't know. I think I, this book was really An rushed. editor should have caught it. It's laughably poor, like, digital it looks photoshopping. Bad. And it's frustrating because, like I said, uh, it, it looks really breathtaking in parts. I actually quite enjoyed the fight at the beginning between Diana, Arthur, and the sea monster. I thought that looked good. But then you'll see a mountain with real, like, photographic mountain textures painted yeah. on it, creating this hideous, like, digital mess. Yeah. And it's distracting, and I really dislike it. As a story, I enjoyed it. It adds a little bit to the Flashpoint, but to go along with what I think Matt will definitely say, it's not essential. And with the art being what it is, I had to give it a skim it. If you can get past the art, give it a read. It's fun. If you can't get past the art, leave it on the shelf. Okay, not only is it not essential, they told us this story. They absolutely told us this story in Emperor Aquaman, and it was fine. And Emperor Aquaman was a fun read, and like big things happened. Aquaman rolled in, drowned Europe. We know he's fighting a war with Wonder Woman. We know that she is very powerful. We know everything that's in this book. The only thing they show us is a little twist to give a conspiracy to right. how her mom was murdered. This is, they sh- Here's they what I'm show- saying. Here's what I'm saying. You can do that in two pages. This is a three-issue miniseries. Well, I don't know what two and three will be about, man. Well, two and three better be about be whatever about the heck is going the on in the Flashpoint day. world because this isn't. This is the this is the past. Just tell us it happened. You're wrong. It's fine. Get to the fight. Get to, it's okay to be wrong. Get to the war between her and Aquaman. That's what we need to see. Otherwise, you don't need to read this at all. See, I disagree. I think without the, the, the history of the relationship between Diana and Arthur, which the Aquaman book does not cover. I, I'll give you that. Then there's no reason to care. We they can say that issues. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war. This is a three-issue And miniseries. if they don't explain why. They use the entire first issue for a flashback. The entire first issue. I'm fine with it. I'm not. I'm giving this one a leave it. All right, then. Oh. Leave it. Straight up. Man. Bad art, and, and we already knew it happened. A heated I'm not, debate. I, it just it felt rushed. It felt like they threw it out there. It felt like, I'm starting to feel like a lot of these Flashpoint miniseries were rushed and thrown in there because they were getting ready to reset the universe anyway. So we got to throw something out in the stands in the meantime. I disagree with that. Leave it. I think they've been planning this for longer than that, but skim it. That's a double buy it for Kirby Genesis, a skim it from Joe Patrick on Wonder Woman Flashpoint, and a leave it 
from me. We're a rare moment of disagreement. You're s- We're in hate with each other. Man, I'm staring daggers at you right now. <laughs> All right, Joe, it's time to crank up the awesome on this podcast for a segment that critics are calling Electric, Edge of Your Seat Exciting, and the action-packed thrill ride you've been waiting for. <laughs> it's time for the Ludicrous Speed Round. Go! Invincible, number 80. Uh, the return of Dinosaurus. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, this this issue had like a real impact, a serious ending that I did not see coming. Uh, I won't spoil it, but it's awesome. Why aren't you reading Invincible? Buy I'm just it. way behind on it. Oh, my I'm, God. I love it. I'm way oh, behind. my God. He's also publishing a book called Fla- Super Dinosaur, I might add. Flashpoint, Grot of War, number one. Uh, also, much like One Woman, unnecessary, mean-spirited, and just bad. There was nothing here. Nothing happened in this book. Eh, it's just a one shot. They could have told us, hey, Grod's ruling Africa right now, and he pops up later on to fight whoever. Leave it. Supergirl, number 65. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's first issue on the book. I was really looking forward to it. Didn't love it as much as I thought I would. Still better than it was. Uh, How many Kelly- issues do you have in this? Two before it's gone? Three. Three more. <laughs> uh, Kelly Sue's good with the young female characters. Uh, I give it a skim it. Good crisscross art. Flashpoint. Legion of Doom. Starring Heatwave, number one. Uh, again. Total waste of my time. Nothing happened here. Mean-spirited mean guy, heat wave, being mean, setting people on fire. I thought the Legion of Doom being the prison was kind of creative. I didn't think the twist ending was creative. And I, I liked the twist ending. And I didn't care about this book. Leave it. Skim it. Uncanny X-Men, 538. Uh, the wrap-up of the break world... Uh, Business. Stuff. <laughs> uh, Kitty Pride. The, the main thing is that Kitty Pride is back. And thank God for that. We saw it coming. But buy it. I'm glad it's there. Yeah, it was yeah, good. Definitely buy it. Alpha Flight number one. Uh, I'm supposed to love this book, Joe. I'm supposed to love it. I love the creators. I love the characters. I love Dale Eaglesham. But even his art didn't look great in this. I, It was fine at best. Skim it. It's okay, buddy. Puck comes back next issue. Yeah, better be good. Power Girl, 25. Uh, you may recall us talking about 24 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the story wrapped up. In a very satisfying way. I loved it. Buy it. Avengers 14. Every time we get a talking head issue from Brian Michael Bendis, it is usually excellent. I'm going to say this wasn't bad, but it didn't lend itself to a talking head issue. The, the, what happens in this book is so big, I wish they would have just given us a story as eh. opposed to the, the way the talking head spelled out. I'm still giving it a buy it. I loved it. But I didn't necessarily need the talking head issue. Yeah, I know what you mean. X-Men, Prelude to Schism, number three. <laughs> Do you know what the point of a four-issue Prelude miniseries to the next big X-Men event is? No. Money! <laughs> this book is so pointless. Yeah. It's, it's four issues of Cyclops whining about what he should do. It is written by Paul Jenkins. That's what he does. This is, is this. You need, you need characters to whine? You go to Paul Jenkins. This specific issue is a woe is me Cyclops issue. It sucks and I hate it. Leave it. Good art. <laughs> Godzilla, Gangsters and Goliaths, it number one. I hate it. Good art, though. Uh, this is another one I should love. I should jump up and down and love this because IDW's Godzilla was great. This was not. John Lehman from Chew was writing it. It just seemed kind of a hacking story. I really, I like Ponticelli, but I don't think he's good for a book like this. He's the artist, by the way. It's weird. Uh, it looks weird. I'm giving it a leave it. Baba Ganoush, that is your ludicrous speed round. Now let's talk about some comics coming next week. Joe, what should nerds be buying next Wednesday? There's only one book next week, and it is Ultimate Spider-Man number 160 gonna, from Marvel it's Comics. It's going to flip your wig all the way around. I don't it? know what I'll do. It's coming polybagged. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, uh, this is by Bendis and Bagley. It's the conclusion, the death of Spider-Man, whatever that ultimately means. I started off sure that the title was metaphorical. Sure. And now... It's like think, Batman R.I.P.? <laughs> I think he might actually die. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think they can afford not to kill him at this point. Oh, with God. The title of the story, and if you look at all the other characters that have been kicked around, like DC was especially guilty of this, stories where it's like, so-and-so is going to die, comma, sort of. You know, I mean, like, I think if anyone's going to pull the trigger, Bendis is going to do it. Yeah, they've done such a good job setting up the storyline and, and, and building up this conflict that I'm honestly good either way. If they kill him and it's a satisfying like ending, I will actually really enjoy I'm it. I'm saying they do it. I'm saying the monkey rips his head off and he dies. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was Grot of War. Oh, Matt, Matt, calm down. What do you have? I'm going to be really excited to pick up Rocketeer Adventures number two because mm. IDW is just knocking this one out of the park. I love it. So one. good. I really Okay, and it. here's your list of creators for number two. Mark Wade, Chris Weston, Mark Lowell Wade. Francis, Gene Ha, and Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook? That's an amazing list <sighs> of creators. That might not mean a lot to some of you, but to nerds, man, those are huge names. I'm so excited. I love Chris Weston. I love Darwin Cook. And these guys have such reverence. And I still love you, Mark Wade. For, oh, yeah. I totally love Mark Wade. Are you kidding me? Yeah. These guys have such reverence for this character, and they did a great job with issue one. I'm excited for issue two. I think two. this issue two will be better. It's a. It's going to be a fun read. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to pick this up. I'm your pusher man. Can you feel the bugs? under your skin squirming are you crying all night and sweating through your sheets well don't be silly baby the comic pushers are back and we've got exactly what you need to calm your jitters we're your mamas we're your daddies we're those nerds in the alley we're your pusher that's right once a month joe and i become your pusher men and help you comic junkies find a comic prescription to put you right baby this week jerry writes the pusher men as a kid, I read the standard comics, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, G.I. Joe, but just sporadically. As far as genre, I really like all the major superhero franchises. Not a huge fan of Spider-Man 3. Also, the series you were talking about with Cinderella in New York sounded pretty sweet, and the comic you compared to Harry Potter, he has in parentheses, huge fan, sounded <laughs> awesome. Not huge on horror and love crime movies. Probably my favorite genre. I've been looking online. It's a little intimidating with the amount of different series for the same characters. Jerry, I can't agree more, and that's why we're here. Joe, what do you got for him? Well, speaking of the Cinderella New York City comic, that's Fables, obviously, and I highly recommend that if you thought that that premise was interesting. The Harry Potter comic must be the unwritten. Yeah, it's got to be unwritten we're talking uh, about, and which if, I think, yeah, he would, judging by... If you want a naughty Harry Potter book that is written way over your head, yeah. the unwritten is for you. And it's a chunky, chunky read. Yeah, and I love art. it. As for other titles, if you liked G.I. Joe... I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Here it comes again. G.I. Joe Cobra, man. Mike Costa like, sends you paychecks in the mail, Get doesn't he? Get on it. You need to read G.I. Joe Cobra, starting uh, with volume one. I'm going to go a, a slightly different route. So I'm going to go with a couple of Ed Brubaker books. Oh, I, yeah. He says he likes crime movies, so I'm going to suggest Criminal, which is some of the I best comic crime fiction I've ever read. You bet. It is excellent stuff. There's four standalone stories that are, that are going on that have happened. And they're all available in trade. There's one that's running right now called The Last of the Innocent, which is sort of coming at it from a different point of view. But you can pick up five. Oh, there's five total. I'm sorry. Yeah. Five standalone stories. But you can pick up any one of these and just read them. They're all different characters. Yeah, self-contained. Yeah, it's just and a sometimes, self-contained crime sometimes story. Sometimes they overlap a little in terms of like Slightly. certain characters or the bar. Right. But they're not like you have to read volume three to understand volume four. It's but nothing like this that. This is 
excellent stuff, and any fan of a crime genre would love this. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to go with Incognito by Ed Brubaker as well, and this is a sort of a superhero story with a twist, where they it's a story of a villain who's sort of been relocated in a witness protection type program, mm-hmm. and he was taking a drug to keep his po- keep himself powerless, and he slowly goes off the drug little by little. Because his parole officer isn't paying a lot of attention to him. No, I think what it was is that he was doing so many other drugs that his body built up an immunity. Oh, that's right. no, he was, yeah, that's right. No, he was like seeing a psychotherapist and stuff, and he was taking like yeah, all these he was other, just yeah, he was yeah. living a lifestyle. He was like trying to numb the pain and of his, his powers. Life. Sort of like came back a little bit, and yeah. then he gets all he goes off the drugs altogether and starts to use his powers again. But this time. He knows he can't be a villain because he's being watched, so he kind of becomes a good guy. Yeah, well, and he's not very good at it. No. And he has all these awful villains in his past that are starting to take notice that someone with the same power set of him has popped up, but is sort of doing good things. Yeah, and of course he screwed over all these villains and had to join this witness protection program. So he's trying to keep a low profile. It is a fantastic book, and oh, well, the amazing Sean Phillips draws it. And it's very cinematic feeling. So Fables, Unwritten, Criminal, and Incognito. There's four books for you to check out there, Jerry, and we need to know what you think of them, so make sure and get back to them. If you need a comic suggestion from the comic pushers, send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com and let us know what you're into, and we'll be more than happy to help you get your fix. Remember, kids, if you've got the money... The comic pushers have the stuff. I just love making him say all the drug references. It My does me good. My mom is so proud. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the two-headed nerd this week. If you can't get enough of me and my heterosexual life mate talking about men in spandex suits and the thinly veiled gay overtones I write into every show, you, sorry, Dad. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, where your star ratings and reviews bring Joe Patrick and my lips that much closer. <laughs> but if you want us to full-on make out, you can click our new donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com and know that any amount is appreciated and every cent you donate goes back into this show and makes it a little better. As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com or you can find our Twitter handles and links to other nerdy projects like the Comics Podcast Network, a site where you can find links to all sorts of other comic book podcasts except for ours because those jerks will not reply to my yeah, emails. They, they told you I'd have a link and they get back to us. Yeah. yeah we, we got the link, guys. We're linking to them for nothing. Come on. <laughs> if that's not enough, you can head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week, this week's query. We asked you last time, I want to read what DC final. character do you think needs a full-on reboot? Now I want to know what Marvel character you would like to see a complete reboot. Oh man, I get to read the outro this time. Before we go, that means you have to come up with a goodbye. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes out to Aaron Myers, who proves time and again he is our biggest fan. Aaron was the very first person to click our donate button on twoheadednerd.com. Word to you, Aaron. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Hasta la pasta. 